0: Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 21. Before we get into the episode, will you do me a favor? While you're listening, will you take a screenshot of your screen in the podcast app and tag me on Instagram at Making Good Podcast? This would do two amazing things. One, it would show me who's listening to the show so I can say hi. And two, help spread the word. Thank you in advance. Okay, so today we're talking about writing for business. I studied economics in college, and my senior year I wrote a thesis. The name of my thesis was The Impact of Bank Conglomeration on Credit Market Outcomes for Women-Owned Businesses. Okay, so now I have a question for you. Do you have any idea what my thesis was about? Here's a way to say it in plainer English. When banks merge, does it get harder or easier for women-owned businesses to get loans? One of these is a lot easier to understand than the other. But when I walked into my first job on a marketing team, I was still thinking like a college economics student trying to impress her professors. It took me a while to understand that in business, fancier, bigger words aren't better. All of this to say, there's a certain way of writing that works best when it comes to copywriting or writing for your business. I've summed up the nine rules that I do my best to follow, and I'm sharing them with you here on this episode. Before we get into it, though, I have a PDF for you. You can download the nine rules at makinggoodpodcast.com slash nine rules. That's the number nine, R-U-L-E-S. Also, throughout this episode, I will use the word copywriting and the term business writing interchangeably. I'm referring to the same thing. Anything you write that represents your business. So let's get into the first rule of writing for business. Number one, write with your audience in mind. In business, the most important thing we can do is to write with our audience in mind. We want our audience to read what we write and think, wow, you really understand me. This brings us back to something we've talked about a little bit in previous episodes, and that's the idea of really getting to know your ideal customer. Your ideal customer is the person you create your products and goods for. It's important to get really, really clear on who this person is before you spend too much time marketing. Look at who's most attracted to your product and who you enjoy working with. Where do they live? What do they care about? How old are they? Do they have kids? Are they married? What magazines or blogs do they read? Who do they follow on social media? Where do they want to go on vacation? What stresses them out? What makes them feel bad about themselves? What makes them feel good about themselves? What books are they reading? What are their hobbies? What does a good Friday night sound like to them? It's okay, and in fact, it's preferred that you get really, really specific here. Of course, not everyone who buys from you is going to share all of the same qualities, but getting specific is how you really connect with your audience. The better we know our target customer, the better we'll be able to write in a way that resonates with them. Rule number two, write in your customer's own words. The key to good copywriting is meeting your audience where they are. So now that we know who our ideal customer is and we're keeping them top of mind, we need to write in a way that resonates with them. The best way to do this is by using their own words to show them how well we understand them. What kind of words do they use to describe their problem, the one you're solving? For example, if I'm a tax accountant and I'm selling my services to stressed out mom entrepreneurs who are super overwhelmed with the idea of figuring out their business taxes, I'm going to be way better off talking to my ideal customer with empathy and dropping the accounting details and jargon. For example, calling all mom entrepreneurs. Does the idea of doing business taxes make your head spin? I can help you stay on top of all of your tax obligations, from annual taxes to sales tax payments, so you can spend your time on what matters the most. In this example, I avoided getting overly involved in the accounting details and processes and instead made, made my ideal customer know that I really understand where they're coming from. The next rule is number three. Think about what you want your audience to know, feel, and do. When you sit down to write, whether it's an Instagram caption, a blog post, an email, or some other piece of business writing, write down the answer to these three questions first. What do I want my audience to know after they read this? How do I want my audience to feel after they read this? What do I want my audience to do after they read this? It's so easy to get caught up in the go-go-go of everyday life and all of the to-dos we have in our business and just immediately jump in and start writing something just to get it done. But adding a little bit of extra intention to what we write can make all of the difference. Let's go through each of these questions. First, what do I want my audience to know after they read this? For me, this is a practical step. This is a checklist of all the things I want to make sure that I don't forget to include in the email. For example, if I'm running a sale, I want my customer to know... When the sale starts and ends, what the sale is for, what products are eligible, what the coupon code is, and any other fine print. Making a list up front of what you want to be sure to include can make sure you don't leave something important out. The second question, how do I want my audience to feel after they read this? Imagine you just adopted a puppy and you go to text your friend about it. Do you say, hello, I just adopted a dog? No, I think you'd probably communicate it with a lot more excitement and exclamation points and copious amounts of photos. These are two different ways of communicating the same thing. You got a dog. But when we write, we have the power to communicate feeling and energy. So if you want your audience to be excited, write with excitement. If you want your audience to take what you're saying seriously, write seriously. If you want your audience to feel calm, write in a calming manner. When we get caught up in our day-to-day, we can be a little frenetic, at least I know I can, so this is an opportunity to really slow down and get clear on what we're trying to evoke in our target customer. The third question is, what do I want my audience to do after they read this? You may have heard of the marketing term call-to-action, or CTA. A call-to-action is exactly what it sounds like. You're asking your audience to take action. In my opinion, just about every piece of content you produce should have a call to action with it, usually toward the end. I'll talk a bit more about calls to actions later in this episode, but for now, just know that I think this is something you should decide up front what the call to action is before you put any words on paper. By getting clear up front what you want to convince your audience to do after reading, you'll be all the more persuasive as you write. Rule number four, write like you talk. Here's a test you can put every single thing you write through. Read it out loud. Would you call a family member and talk that way? Would you even talk that way to a stranger? When you write like you speak, it sounds like a human on the other end, rather than some anonymous corporate robot giving a sales pitch. If you read back through you've written and it doesn't sound like you or even human at all, here's my best tip for editing it. Read through it carefully, and every time you can switch out a word or phrase for something simpler, do it. For example, change "utilize" to use, change advantageous to helpful, change ascertain to find out, change necessitate to cause, change practicable to practical, and on and on. I found an awesome website that lists a lot of these switches you can look to make in your writing, and I'll link to it in the show notes. Overall, I suggest that you read every piece of content you write out loud and make sure that everything you write is actually something you'd say. Rule number five is to avoid padding. One bad habit I think we get ourselves into after years and years of schooling is padding our language. In school, our teachers ask us to write 10-page essays or 20,000-word research papers. To meet those deadlines, we fill our papers with padding. Word, phrases, or even sentences that really don't need to be there, but they help make it longer. This might work in high school, but in business, the best writing is clear and concise. Never add words just to make something look longer. Do you remember reading The Elements of Style in high school English? It's an awesome writing book that I totally recommend, and one of the main elements it discusses is to omit needless words. In other words, if when you read back through what you've written, you can remove some words and still communicate the same thing, remove them, and your writing will be stronger for it. For example, you could say, at the present time, we are sold out. Or instead, you could say, today, we're sold out. Another example, you could say, because of the fact that my flight was canceled, I missed the wedding. Or you could remove some of that and say, because my flight was canceled, I missed the wedding. We can also eliminate words like very, really, or definitely to make our writing stronger. Rule number six make it easy for your audience to read. When our audience reads something we've written for our business, they have not signed up to read the next great American novel. Chances are they don't have a ton of time to read, and they're probably reading it from their phone. All of this to say, skip the long paragraphs. My average paragraph length in marketing is two or three sentences, sometimes only one, but rarely more than three or four, because that's what's easy to read. So when you write copy, include way more line breaks than you're inclined to. I also like to use bullet points to help break up my text visually. When you look at something you've written, for example, for email, for Instagram, on your website, you should not see thick blocks or paragraphs. This takes work to read, and we want to make it easy. Rule number seven, be specific. The writer James Joyce once said, in the particular is contained the universal. Meaning, counterintuitive as it may seem, We relate to the details of people's lives, not the vague generalizations. I would encourage you to use every opportunity to get as detailed as possible. This is especially true when you're articulating the problem you can solve for your target customer. Get very, very specific to show that you can understand their pain point. If I was writing an email to promote a course about email marketing, I might say something like, I know you've spent far too many hours staring at a blank Google Doc waiting for inspiration to strike. If I was a bookkeeper, I might say, got a year's worth of receipts in a manila envelope that need to be organized? If I had a candle business, I might say, you've been working from home for six months and rarely leave your house. Got cabin fever? We can help bring the outdoors in. Try our evergreen candle. All of these examples include specifics. The blank Google Doc, the manila envelope full of receipts, the six months of working from home. Will these facts be 100% true for every reader? No, but they can probably relate to the underlying feeling that each of these statements evokes. Feeling uninspired, stressed out, or cooped up. And those feelings are better brought out when we get into the specifics rather than make generalizations. We can also use this concept of specificity to add some interesting visuals to our writing. In general, whenever you can add details that will help paint a physical picture in your reader's mind, do so. For example, if you're signing off your email by saying, I'm raising my glass to you, why not say, I'm raising my mason jar of home-brewed iced coffee. Rule number eight, tell stories. Storytelling is an incredibly effective way of communicating. Psychologist Jerome Bruner's research suggests that facts are 20 times more likely to be remembered if they're part of a story. I had a great conversation on this podcast with Megan Dowd, who's a storytelling expert. Her episode, Building Strong Connections Through Storytelling, was episode 18. I'll link to it in the show notes. In the episode, Megan shares that great stories have three things in common. First, concreteness. So this takes us back to the previous rule. Give specifics. Number two, there should be a beginning, middle, and end. And number three, relevance. Why are you telling this particular story? One of my favorite things about my conversation with Megan was her point that stories don't have to be extraordinary. She said in our episode that she views storytelling in business as framing the most ordinary moments in your day to illustrate the extraordinary aspect of what you do. Megan recommends starting to build a little bank of stories you can tell in a Google Doc or a Google spreadsheet as you think of them so that you can pull them out when you need them. And rule number nine, close with a call to action. We talked about call to actions a little bit earlier in the no field do exercise, rule number three. But now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty details. Again, a call to action is simply asking your audience to do something after they finish reading. Here are some examples you might have seen of calls to action. Go to the link in my profile. Save this post. Register for my workshop. Click this link to set up a free consultation. Reply to this email and let me know your thoughts. Subscribe to this podcast. Sign up for my newsletter. Email me for a consultation. Sign up here for a free sample. You can put a call to action pretty much anywhere. In an Instagram caption or story, on your website, in your newsletter, in person. Your CTA will be most effective if it is the only CTA listed. If you ask someone to sign up for your newsletter, follow you on Instagram, and check out your podcast all in one post, you're probably not going to get much of anything. On the other hand, the easier the task you ask of them, the more likely you are to get people to do it. For example, when I write, save this post on Instagram, I usually see a pretty high number of saves because I ask people to do something really simple. I hope that you found all of this helpful and that you can use one or two of these rules the next time you sit down to write something for your business. If you want to put these nine rules into practice, I have a PDF for you so you can keep the rules handy when you write. Download the PDF at makinggoodpodcast.com slash nine rules. That's the number nine, R-U-L-E-S. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to leave a rating and review. And you can find all the details of what was mentioned in this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 2 If this is your first time tuning in and you're interested in learning more about me and my businesses, check out my plant-inspired stationery company, Good Sheila, at goodsheila.com, or Seattle Retail Shop Station 7 at station, then the number seven, seattle.com. Thank you so much for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business.